I love Easter. And my favourite story of Easter is about the Sunday school teacher who had just finished telling her class about how Jesus was crucified and placed in a tomb with a great stone sealing the opening. Then, wanting to share the excitement of the resurrection, she asked, and what do you think were Jesus' first words when he came out of the tomb? Well, a little girl at the back of the room shot her arm into the air and leaped to her feet and shouted excitedly, I know, I know. Good, said the teacher. Tell us, what did he say? Extending her arms into the the air, she shouted, Ta-da! The resurrection of Jesus was indeed a ta-da moment. It was, it was indeed for the world one of those moments. It had touched the lives of believers throughout the ages. Yes, ta-da, Christ is risen. And because of Jesus' resurrection, it has opened up a new life for us all and enabled us, each of us, to do so much more than we ever asked or imagined. We're here today to celebrate the central fact upon which all Christianity hangs. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. The angels announced it. The disciples saw him and we experience him in our lives today. Death could not keep him. He broke its power and rose victoriously and in so doing brought us grace and purpose. And today we want to celebrate that fact and embrace the risen Lord Jesus. That's what Easter is all about. But let me ask you, what difference does Easter make to you? Does it really matter? How does it impact the way that you live your life on a daily basis? Even we who believe Jesus rose from the grave and on the third day and sometimes have difficulty articulating its relevancy to our lives. So whether you're a follower of Christ this morning or still examining his claims, I want to invite you to travel back with me to that first Easter morning, the Resurrection Sunday, when Jesus appeared to his faithful followers. Let's explore the significance of the resurrection and the impact it can have on our lives. In our Bible reading, um, we heard the second one. The disciples just didn't really know what to do or, or what to believe anymore. Believing is something that can be quite hard to do, isn't it? Just generally. I wonder if you would believe that I have actually recorded an album and released an album. Would you believe that? I've done it, obviously, with the songsters, but me, myself. Would you believe that? Well, you know, when I lived in Aberdeen, which was around 40 years ago, I can't believe I'm saying that, 40 years ago, how does that make me feel? My friend Lynn and I became a bit of a, a, a famous singing duo in the area. Here is a picture of Lynn and I. There we are. We thought we were so daring not wearing our singing company hats in that picture. Now, she had an instrument called an omnichord. This is the instrument. Next slide, please. There you are. Anyone seen an omnichord? So those buttons in the middle, they were like the chords, the different chords. And then that metal stripe there, you used to uh, strum it, and it sounded a bit like a harpy sort of sound. It was really cool. Um, I've, tried to find, I've, I've tried to find the tape, but we can't find it anywhere at the moment. I did ask him to look in the garage. It's really cool. I did ask him to look in the garage last night, but he wasn't having any of it. 
Ah, it was very sad. Now, um, it was Lynn's Omnicord. Apparently, I looked them up on eBay, and they're £700, these things now. I don't think they were when she bought them. But we were asked to sing all over the place. Whenever the singing company did a musical program, we were always on that program, singing our duets. My mum had us go into all these women's groups around the city, and we were even used on divisional events. There you are. We got a name for ourselves. And so we did actually record an album on a tape cassette. Lynn's dad had this recording equipment which he set up in the kitchen and we produced this cassette tapes and we sold them and people bought them. I don't know if they played them, uh, but they bought them. Um, and as, as I said today, I'm just really gutted that I can't find the tape so I can prove to you that I uh, did uh, do this. However, that picture was our album cover, if you're interested in it. And if I ever uh, find the tape, I will let you listen. I will. <laughs> now, one of my favorite songs we used to sing was the Bill and Gloria Gaither song, Because He Lives. Familiar song to many of you, hopefully. Hopefully, because we're going to sing it later. And of course, this song is a beautiful song of Easter. And it always comes to my mind this time of year. And, of course, it's no different this year. The song has been playing around in my head for the past week or so. Now, Bill and Gloria Gaither have written some wonderful Christian songs. And Gloria wrote this particular song in the 1960s. And at the time, she was expecting her first child. And the couple were going through some terrible problems. Bill had been seriously sick. And their music had even been criticized for not being spiritual enough. On New Year's Eve, Gloria wrote this, and here's the quote coming up. I sat alone in the darkness, thinking about this rebellious world and all of our problems, and about our baby yet unborn. Who in their right mind would bring a child into a world like this? But then something happened to her, and this is what she said then. I can't quite explain what happened in that next moment. <sighs> But suddenly, I felt released from it all. The panic that had begun to build inside me was gently dispelling by a reassuring presence and a soft voice that kept saying, don't forget the empty tomb. Don't forget the empty tomb. Then I knew I could have that baby and face the future with optimism and trust, for I had been reminded that it was worth it just because he lives. And out of that experience, she wrote the lyrics... Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. When Jesus got up and walked out of that tomb, he changed everything for you, for me, for the whole world. And I want to share with you two simple reasons why because he lives, he can impact our lives and change us for the better. Firstly, because he lives, I have peace. Jesus' followers were overcome with terror. They witnessed the hatred that had been spilled out on Jesus by the Romans and temple authorities. They also knew that that same hatred could very well be spilled out upon all of them now that Jesus was gone. I'm sure each time some sound was heard outside those doors, they were all wondering if the Roman or temple soldiers were coming to arrest them. 
I'm sure they were terrified that at any moment they might find themselves being rounded up and subsequently nailed to their own cross. You can just see them all huddled in this room, doing their best to be as quiet as possible. In hushed tones, they're all trying to figure out how they can get out of Jerusalem as quietly and as safely as possible. The further they could get away from the Roman and the temple authorities, the safer they would all feel. It was time to go home and see what they should do with the rest of their lives. No doubt James and John were perhaps already making plans on how they would get back into the fishing business. Perhaps Matthew was already thinking how he could get back to his job as a tax collector. Then all of a sudden, in the midst of them, Jesus appeared. And instead of blasting them, Jesus blesses them when he says, peace be with you. I'm sure it startled them because it wasn't what they were expecting at all. This greeting had a much deeper meaning than, hey, what's up, guys? In the Jewish culture, the word shalom is a state of wholeness and harmony that is intended to resonate in all relationships. And when used as a greeting, shalom was a wish for outward freedom from disturbance as well as an inward sense of well-being. To a people constantly harassed by enemies, peace was a premier blessing. In Numbers 6, we hear that familiar blessing that God gave Moses when he says to, to bless, to use, to bless his people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. The New Testament describes at least three, three spheres of peace. Peace with God. That's the vertical dimension. Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This word can also mean to set at one again. You can have peace, the peace of God. This takes place internally. Those familiar words in Philippians 4 that says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And peace with others. When we have peace with God and we experience the peace of God, we can then extend peace horizontally. Matthew 5 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Jesus didn't tell us to be peacekeepers, but peacemakers. And we work, when we work at giving grace and solving strife, we are doing what God does. And of course, Isaiah chapter 9 states that Christ would be the Prince of Peace. When Jesus was born, the angels proclaimed the words of praise in Luke 2, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Jesus offers you and I peace today, but it's a different from the peace that the world offers. Our culture communicates that peace is the absence of something, and that's probably what the disciples were thinking as they, as they tried to lock out their worries and concerns. But Jesus provides peace as the presence of someone, even when we're in the middle of a mess. John 16 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. 
In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And this peace extends into three dimensions. I can have peace with my past. Some of us really need to hear the truth, that truth, because getting past the past is easier said than done. Whatever is lurking in your past is forgiven if you ask for forgiveness. Remember, he breaks the power of cancelled sin. Allowing his peace to bring wholeness as you claim the promises of Psalm 103 that says, As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. I can be at peace with my present. What are you worried about right now? Your marriage? Your finances? A health issue? Your children? Your job? Jesus came to bind up the wounds of the broken. I can be at peace with my future. Some of you are fretting about the future. Ask Jesus to give you his peace so that you can stop worrying. Psalm 30 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The Easter resurrection impacts our lives in that it brings that marvelous peace which is beyond all human understanding. It brings that shalom that sense of God's blessing and wholeness into your life, that sense of well-being in spite of all the brokenness in our lives and those around us. Yes, I am convinced that Easter can impact each of our lives because of the sense, this sense of peace. Because he lives, I can have peace. Secondly, because he lives, I can have purpose. One of my favorite Disney films is The Lion King, which follows the adventures of the young lion Simba, the heir of his father, and, and the heir of his father, Mufasa. Now, Simba's wicked uncle, Scar, plots to take Mufasa's throne by luring father and son into a stampede of wildebeests. But Simba escapes, and only Mufasa is killed. So nasty Scar makes Simba believe the stampede was all his fault, and so Simba runs away because of the guilt of what he's done. However, after a conversation with Rafiki, a crazy wise monkey, Simba returns as an adult to take back his homeland from Scar with the help of his friends, Timon and Pumbaa. I want to show you, if you don't mind, the conversation Simba has with Rafiki because it helped him to move from the past. I know it's just a cartoon, but we can take the words for ourselves, what happens in this conversation. It helped him to move from his past and go forward into his new life with purpose. Watch the screen. forgotten me. No. How could I? 
You have forgotten who you are and so forgotten me. Look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than what you have become. You must take your place in the circle of life. How can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. So Simba is told by his father that he must no longer wander around without focus for life. He needs to take his place in the circle of life. He needs to begin again, have a new purpose. Rafiki points out that yes, the past can hurt, but the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Jesus' resurrection allows us to have a new purpose. We can put the past behind us and yet still learn from it and begin again. We've been given a confirmation and a commission. Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. His peace is given so that we will be about his purpose. He gives his grace in order to be sent out. The disciples are giving, given a message that cannot be kept in a locked room. Likewise, we can't get too comfortable within the walls of this building or our own home. The gospel must go out, not stay within. Someone put it this way. Christianity doesn't simply put out its signs and say, come. Christianity puts on its shoes and goes. The disciples' purpose was to spread the word about the cross and the empty tomb to share the message of Jesus with their friends, neighbors, and relatives. They would use their love, their lives, their lips to testify about the power of the cross and the promise of eternal life. It's only living with a sense of divine purpose that enables me and you to reach out, to reach our full potential. It's living with a purpose that brings fulfillment. And through a relationship with the living Jesus, we can possess a sense of divine purpose that brings eternal fulfillment. Richard Leader and David Shapiro helped to explain what purpose is in their book, Repacking Your Bags. And this is what they says. A purpose is not a goal. A goal is something that can be reached. A purpose is never achieving. 
is never achieved. It exists before you and lives on after you're gone. Purpose is a direction like west. No matter how far you go, there's still more west to travel. You use purpose to set your course in life. It's the quality around which you center yourself. The disciples went from not knowing what to do to having a purpose in life. Now, anyone in in their right mind would not have picked these individuals who were huddled away in the room to be one to share the message of the good news. No one would have naturally commissioned them to go and tell everyone about the risen Lord. But then what God sees in us at times, we do not see in one another. The Lord knew their hearts. The Lord knew what great heights they could achieve in his name. The Lord looked beyond their human shortcomings and sins and knew that through him they could achieve the impossible. And that's what he does with you and I. Because he lives, we can have new purpose. That's how Easter impacts us. Because he lives, I can face the future with peace and purpose. That's the impact of Easter on us now. Easter is the cornerstone of the Christian faith, the celebration of Jesus rising from the grave, conquering death, and giving us peace with God and a purpose for life. That's what today is really about, and every day, actually. That's why we're here. And I wonder this morning, is your life lacking in peace and purpose? Well, I have good news for you. Jesus is alive. And because he lives... By his amazing grace, you can let his presence change your life as you exchange your fear for peace, meaningless and your meaninglessness for purpose, just as he did for the disciples. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Well, as we spend a moment or two in reflecting on his peace and purpose in our lives, I want us to use that song. And I pray that as we sing it, we can be alive anew in grace and purpose. It may be more of an upbeat song, but the words are great for us as we reflect and respond today. Because he lives, I can face the future. Louise, would you just play it through, just to read the verse and chorus, just to remind us of the tune, and then let's sing together in this time of reflection and response, these great words.
Will you join me as we sing this great song, these truths of this song? God sent his son So let me pray with you. Living God, you appeared to your disciples in their hour of fear and offered them your peace to still their hearts. May we open our arms to be a living hope in the world today, bringing peace to those living in fear. Give us courage to be bold in what we believe. May we hold firm to your promises of life and hope 
and strive for a new world free from poverty, injustice and conflict. May we live in the truth that because you live, we can face tomorrow. Because you live, all fear is gone. And because we know you hold the future and life is worth the living just because you live. Amen. Amen.